welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Okay, Ethan. So today features Hawkeye under house arrest. So I figured that we could tell stories about um, a time that we were under house arrest in the form of staying home from school. (laughs) Do you have any (laughs) funny stories about like just staying home from school either because you're sick or you don't want to go or anything like that? I mean, okay. So I think we were kind of the last generation to properly experience this because I think current generations, they've got your internet, they've got your Netflix, they've got everything. But when we were like kids in elementary and maybe middle school, before like Netflix and everything took over, and there's nothing to watch during the day when you stay home sick and you're like, well, I still want to watch TV. So you have nothing to watch other than, like, The Price is Right and various <laughs> other, like, daytime talk shows. That was a whole experience that I feel like people growing up now, because they just have the burden of choice, you know, uh, they can just watch whatever <laughs> they want. They will never know the joys of having to tune in to Price is Right on, like, a Wednesday uh, 10 a.m. showing. <laughs> but in... Like elementary school, if I didn't want to go to school, I had to like really finesse it because my mom was like really good at like (laughs) detecting when we were lying. And I've only ever gotten away with it like once or twice. And it's because she was feeling generous that day of like, fine, you can stay home if you want. But usually if I was like homesick, I was home sick. Um, (laughs) So what about you? Do you have any like interesting uh fraud stories of like not sick but you want to try to be sick (laughs) um i don't know because my mom also didn't want me to just stay home from school as like a parent doesn't you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i don't think most parents are like yeah yeah stay from school whenever you want um but my mom also I guess, like, pretty lenient when it came to, like, oh, well, I don't feel good. It's just like, okay, well, I guess you can stay home, sure. So I would just say that probably when I was sick, because I had, like, a lot of lung issues when I was younger, too, so I would get sick pretty often. Um, And when I was sick when I was younger, I would put on, like, the old TV stations and watch, like, I Love Lucy and I Dream of Jeannie and stuff like that. Very on brand. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's what started my love of TV. Like, I would never watch, like, Bonanza or Gunsmoke because I was, like, you know, a (laughs) nine-year-old. Not interested in the hard-hitting cowboy fiction? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I would watch Mr. Ed. Um, So I would watch, like... I would watch just like crazy shows like when when stuff was in black and white like I loved the monsters the monsters was mm-hmm. my was like my shit when I was like 9 to 12 right before I <laughs> really got into mash I think um so yeah so I would say that staying homesick from school kind of like spurred my love of old TV I love that every time we get a peek into your childhood peek into your TV habits it really is that your life, the entirety of it, has been leading up to hosting a MASH <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like, apparently. this is an inevitability. <laughs> apparently, apparently. <laughs> so, let's get into today's episode of MASH. Speaking of me loving MASH so much. <laughs> so, in this episode, House Arrest, Frank wants Hawkeye court-martialed after Hawkeye punches Frank, because of course that happens. And Margaret also gets a visit from a superior officer who puts her severely on edge. Ethan, what did you think about this episode? So I'm going to come in with a bit of negative energy and just say that I did not like this episode pretty much at all. There's one (laughs) big plot point towards the end of the episode that I think people who have listened to this show before will know that like it will be a major sticking point for both of us. But even before that, There was no conflict. It was just like stuff happening Mm -hmm. and kind of Hawkeye getting an easy ride of it. And there was a weird part with like Radar getting like lifts in his shoes and they try to make (laughs) that into like a thing. I'm like, why is this? Why are we doing this right now? I don't know. So this whole episode was like just kind of not for me. Nothing clicked. I watched it twice and honestly, it washed over me both times. Like nothing really stuck out. Nothing, like, hit me with, like, that's very funny. Um, At worst, if the big plot point didn't happen at the end, I'd be like, well, this is fine, I guess. But because it has 
this uh, seismic bad thing at the end <laughs> of the episode. I'm like, this is just a straight up bad episode. Yeah, I wasn't too hot about this episode. I think that this episode, um, I we probably have similar thoughts about this episode, actually. But I think that also this episode falls flat for me because of the typical mash thing that tends to happen with episodes, especially featuring Margaret, of it's just done better later on. There, I believe, is an episode with like a similar premise with Margaret of uh, she is nervous about uh, some kind of superior officer coming and like looking over her work and all of this kind of stuff or like something like that. And she is given a lot more like grace by Hawkeye and it's kind of established more that they are peers rather than adversaries. And, you know, it's just done a lot better. And I thought that it was going to be this episode and then it turned out that it wasn't. And I was like, oh, right, it's this episode. So I wasn't super duper hot on it. I thought that there were good parts to it, but I don't think that it was magnificent by any stretch. No, definitely not. If if this episode was magnificent, we'd have a we'd have a totally different conversation right now. <laughs> so, let's get into <laughs> why this episode wasn't magnificent, I guess. Um, so I actually thought it opened up pretty funny and kind of interesting. Um, it like laid the foundation for, you know, Margaret being nervous about and why she was nervous because this Colonel Reese was coming to inspect her work. And I always like, you know me, I like episodes where it shows Margaret and her work and this and the other thing. But <laughs> we also get this really funny bit in the OR scene. I don't know if you picked up on it, but they made a reference to like where Loretta Swit is from. And did you get that? Oh, no, I did not. <laughs> I did not get that. So Margaret's nervous, right? And she says, you know, oh, this like important colonel's coming and she's assisting Hawkeye in surgery. And Hawkeye goes, oh, what is it? Another root canal wizard from Passaic? And Loretta Swit is from Passaic, oh. New Jersey. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. That's <laughs> that's probably the best part of the episode. That was for sure my favorite part. I screamed when I heard it. I was like, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this episode um, went in one ear and out the other. Like a lot of the fun <laughs> stuff I probably missed. <laughs> like I said, there were some good parts, but we'll get to those. Um, but in all seriousness, you know that Margaret must be really nervous if she's messing up in surgery, which I thought, again was laying this groundwork for this episode being interesting and like talking about Margaret's relationship with her work and the army and stuff like that. Um, but that's not really what Too happened. Too bad this episode <laughs> wasn't about that. <laughs> yeah, I would have much preferred the episode to be about that, but it was interesting to see Margaret being nervous because you don't yeah. really get that from her a lot. Yeah, I like human Margaret, as I always say. I like when she's more of a fleshed out character than the kind of difficult person to be around and also <laughs> likes to sleep with upper military men. Um, when she has these more human moments of like fallibility, I, I do like. But what I didn't like is that the inciting incident of this episode is caused by like Hawkeye just negging her abilities and rank just entirely. And then she's like, Frank, you have to defend me. The result from that is like the funny inciting incident where Hawkeye punches Frank in the face. But I feel like Hawkeye just wouldn't in a different episode be like belittling her like this. I just I didn't like that. I felt like that was really out of character for how Hawkeye tends to operate. Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up, too, because I thought that this was like so mean. <laughs> I kind of hated that, you know, she was having like a legitimate you know, like not issues in her career, but was nervous about something that was happening in her job and her career. And they were being like, yeah, you're an idiot. Also, you slept with a bunch of people to get to where you are. And I was like, really? Like, I don't know. So that's why in this scene in particular, you get reminded sometimes that they're not at, like Margaret and Hawkeye are not friends at this point. Like they're not, mm -hmm. they're more adversarial because I can't imagine like, later Hawkeye or even normal Hawkeye even now yeah. kind of doing that um he would be like tough love with her sure but not 
hey, if you can't do your job, get out of the OR. I mean, objectively, he's, I guess, right. But also, I don't know. It was very, like, mean-spirited. I just feel like Hawkeye... Um, and you always talk about how later on that they have a much better, more solid kind of friendship, camaraderie, kind of co-worker vibe. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even this Hawkeye that we know now would not normally insinuate that she's only where she is because of who she slept with. I felt like that was really out of character for like what he would normally say. See, I don't think so. Not at this point. Um, It felt very like season one, season two-ish. More like season one. In mm. fact, I feel like they did insinuate it at other points in the show, probably. But yeah, no, I don't think that that was necessarily out of character for Hawkeye at this juncture. I do think that later on, though, in the show, like he would not necessarily say that to her. So yeah, like I said, it was just this reminder that like, oh, they're actually like not friends here. They don't like each other, except when they want to sleep with each other. But that's a totally (laughs) different story. So as you mentioned, the inciting incident here was Hawkeye punching Frank. And I don't know about you, but that looked like a really real punch. And I was like, wow, good job, guys. (laughs) Dude, I okay. So I actually loved the punch bit in isolation. Um, I thought it was really funny that Frank's solution to disciplining Hawkeye was to snap a towel at his butt. Like that is very, uh, that's very strange and maybe not the, the best way to discipline a grown man. But then the the uh, result of that is Hawkeye kind of winds up to snap a towel back <laughs> and then he just punches him in the face. I was like, that's a good kind of old school like Laurel and Hardy uh, Three Stooges <laughs> bit. Like that felt very classic slapstick comedy to me. I really enjoyed that. And then when it started the entire plot of the episode, I was kind of surprised because it felt like a one-shot gag. But, like, (laughs) this is the, like, inciting incident of the episode. Yeah, I thought the lead up to Hawkeye punching Frank when Frank snaps a towel (laughs) at Hawkeye was so funny because when Frank did it, Hawkeye had this face of just like, you've got to be kidding me. And I loved <laughs> I loved, <laughs> I loved, the face that Alan Alda made because it's just like stares into the distance like you're at the office, you know? <laughs> it's one of those. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, I loved it. I thought that the punch was great because it looked really real. No complaints yeah. with this scene for sure. Great stunt coordination on this one. <laughs> I also loved the next scene because Henry is exerting like really big dad energy <laughs> by trying oh, yeah. to get Frank not to press charges against Hawkeye. Um, and I, <laughs> I just loved that it was literally like a dad just mm-hmm. trying to get his two sons to not be mad at each other anymore. <laughs> Because Hawkeye doesn't look sorry at all. Frank keeps repeating court-martial, court-martial, and Henry is just like, drop it, guys, please, I'll give you my Jeep, you can go make friends, like, stop this. First of all, uh, yes, the dad energy here is great, especially <laughs> the little line between him and Radar, when he's like, oh, the, the I get mad at Radar all the time, and then Radar's like, I know you love me, sir. That is such, <laughs> like, father-son energy. It was it a delight. It really is. And then, you know, this is like peak Henry being like a lazy bum trying not to file any paperwork if he doesn't have to. And like, I thought the solution of, hey, go see the cockfights was really bizarre. Like, I don't <laughs> think that's like a thing you should do, honestly. You should no. not just go see some chickens kill each other to, <laughs> to mend your wounds. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not the best. But I did, like I said, I did think it was really funny that Hawkeye was like, hey, sons, borrow the car and go make up and please don't make me do all of this paperwork that entails disciplining you. I just don't want to deal with it. He has such dad energy. I just, I love it. (laughs) Henry is everyone's dad. (laughs) I also loved that Henry knew instinctively that when Hawkeye realized what being court-martialed would be, he knew that Hawkeye was going to be like, sign me up. I'll do it. I'll stay in my tent. Mm -hmm. I don't care. And that's why he was really trying to avoid it. I thought that that was just, just peak 
peak. <laughs> yeah. And then he's mad at uh, Radar for telling him what a house arrest entails. And that was like more <laughs> peak dad energy of like kind of paying off the earlier bit of saying, oh, I know you love me. But the way he was like just so angry was was very dad-like. And uh, so this episode, I am like frustrated at it because the lack of like conflict in it, right? There's nothing kind of happening. It's just kind of Hawkeye skating by. But mm-hmm. I do have to say that like him loving house arrest is so on brand and like so <laughs> funny in a vacuum, you know? It is. I'm just wondering if they had needed Hawkeye, would he be allowed to leave the swamp? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I think the thing here is that Hawkeye under house arrest doesn't have to work. Like, I think that's the thing that he's, like, excited for, that he doesn't have to go into, you know, the OR for a few days and just, like, max and relax. Yeah, I guess so. I guess at this point they had enough staff to cover the few casualties that they had. So I guess it makes sense that Hawkeye, you know, would be happy about this because... He wouldn't have to go into the OR, like you said, but then, like, pushing his, I guess, responsibilities off onto other doctors and be like, okay, you guys take care of it. I'm going to chill out. That bum. (laughs) I am just wondering, though, if they had, like, a mass influx of casualties, would Hawkeye be allowed to, you know, jump in? I mean, if we're being real here, if we're, if we're being completely honest. Yeah. Everyone knows that this house arrest is a bit of a sham anyway. (laughs) And the entire episode, Trapper and Henry are trying to finagle it to get him out of it anyway. (laughs) So if there was like an actual emergency, he would have gotten out of it. But right now, (laughs) it's it's chill enough that he could just relax in his tent (laughs) for a couple days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So after this scene in Henry's office we get the introduction of why Margaret was so nervous in the beginning, and that is Colonel Reese. And Colonel Reese was very interesting to begin with. I kind of really liked her energy to start out because Mm. she had almost like a Hawkeye and Trapper vibe, you know? So I I like this performance much more than I liked the character. Like, Mm -hmm. they didn't really give this actress a lot to do that was, like, funny or, like, showed her off in a great way. But this was one of these moments where I'm like, this guest star is, like, a very famous, like, character actress. I I know it Mm -hmm. that, like, this Mm -hmm. is just someone who bounces around, shows up, always does a great job with whatever she's given, and then pieces out. And, like, nobody remembers her name. It's like that bit in, like, BoJack Horseman with a character actress Margot Martindale like she's one of those guys you know (laughs) yes yes she did a great job and I've seen some of her other work before and I don't know this like so tracks for certain other things that she's been in I liked no I I didn't like what they did with the character but I loved her performance and her portrayal of this woman Mm -hmm. um she was very believable too I I know that you, you haven't met Colonel Potter yet or seen any of his episodes but she kind of gave a little bit of Colonel Potter energy there in the beginning. Ooh, um, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, because she <laughs> she was talking to Margaret and just saying how after she meets Frank in Margaret's tent, um, because to give context, Colonel Reese is staying in Margaret's tent and then Colonel Reese and Margaret and Frank are all in Margaret's tent and then Frank leaves and then Colonel Reese and Margaret are talking and basically she's like oh yeah the quiet ones with the clenched teeth they really give you a go and then she just starts whistling and humming to herself she's like la 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 it's it's a very I don't know it's very Colonel Potter energy for anybody who knows what I'm talking about (laughs) and I kind of love that most people listening to this show probably do know (laughs) Colonel Potter energy I'm the odd man out here but (laughs) that's true I really enjoyed just how much fun this, like, lady was having. That she was talking about how, like, she's got just all these bags of clothing, and how she has to massage her gums. It was very, like, believable <laughs> kind of little kooky energy, you know? Little, uh, yes. 
Like, you just, like, the fun person comes onto camp and they're talking about these very, like, mundane things, but they're just having a great time being like, I love being, like, kind of mundane is just <laughs> one of my favorite, like, guest star kind of quirky character, uh, you know, kind of things that can happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, And she was literally massaging her gums. She was not brushing her teeth. She was massaging her gums. <laughs> it was very strange. It was very strange. <laughs> But I think that the seeds were kind of being sown a little bit with her character not being the best character wise Mm -hmm. Um, because she sees Hawkeye when Margaret and her are walking to Margaret's tent to put her stuff down. And Margaret says, oh, that's Captain Pierce. He's been court-martialed. And she says, oh, for rattling the bones of a nurse, basically like saying, oh, because he sexually assaulted a nurse. And she's like, and Margaret's like, oh, no, nothing like that. And she's like, oh, that's a pity. Like, what? That's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you pick up on that? Because uh, I was oh, like, I did. oh, oh, my. When that first <laughs> happened, when, when we first watched this episode, I was like, oh, well, okay, that's a little bit of an off-color joke. No, that's some deep cut foreshadowing. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're literally. planting the seeds early. And I know that we're laughing about it, but it was just so almost, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't expecting something like that from the show, but I just kind of wasn't. I don't know. It was very, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was very strange. You expect like the male characters, right, to say stuff like that or like make jokes at the expense of you know assault or stuff like that but i don't know it seems like more jarring from a female character i think that was the entire bit with this character we'll get into it like as we get into the later portion of this episode but i think their whole conceit with this character and like the jokes around her is that it's funny that she acts like a crass man instead of like a woman. And we'll get into like the unfortunateness of that. <laughs> but in this like first scene, it's just like, okay, that's just kind of an off color thing for her to throw in. Cause haha, she's so quirky and so mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. la di da about stuff. Look at her massage her gums. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I agree with you. And I have more to say about that, too. But we'll hold off till the end. But I do just want to mention again that I liked seeing Margaret out of her comfort zone because there was a scene where Frank, Colonel Reese and Margaret were all working a surgery together. And Colonel Reese is kind of directing Margaret of just like, oh, this is how you can improve. You can do this better if you do if you have your tools assembled like this then you can more efficiently give the stuff to the doctor, this, that, and the other thing. And Margaret is kind of taking on that, you know, inferior role that she's not usually in because she's usually Mm -hmm. the one directing her nurses. So I did think it was interesting that she, and she did seem not, I guess not uncomfortable with it, but just like on edge because she isn't, you know, usually she's at the top of her game and now somebody is coming in and like correcting her and directing her. And so she's not used to that. So I thought that that was like a really interesting little thing to throw in there. I wish it had been expanded on in this episode, Mm -hmm. but I did enjoy seeing it for what we had. If only that was the plot of this episode, because even that nervous energy, you could kind of uh, give more towards the like end of the scene. This uh, Colonel Reese kind of starts like subtly coming on to Frank and I honestly Mm -hmm. like took that as why Margaret was so uncomfortable because she like recognized that energy more so Mm -hmm. than uh being kind of out of her element but I do understand what you're saying but this episode really isn't about Margaret in any way unfortunately (laughs) um no it's very unfortunate (laughs) we have more development for Radar's inferiority complex than we do for Margaret's in this episode (laughs) yeah literally and so do you want to talk about um the radar piece of this episode because i kind of thought that was pretty cute yeah why not let's go so (laughs) radar i guess just feeling all the build-up from all the short jokes throughout the entire series uh he decides that he's gonna get lifts Uh, he has those sent to the camp and he has uh clinger which i thought this bit was great he has clinger hem his pants to be three inches longer (laughs) because he is all in on pretending that he is taller and this bit was kind of weird but i did like it in isolation what did you think of this whole like subplot 
I liked it. I I know that they probably put it in there to fill space and time, but I thought that it really worked. I thought it was kind of weird for this episode because it just it had no real rhyme or reason to be specifically in this episode. But I did. I thought it was cute. I liked that he trusted Klinger with his like little secret and I like that when he was walking because he wasn't used to like being up on lifts and not that they're you know high heels but I like that Klinger had him you know was kind of directing him on how to walk in more Mm -hmm. uh, like heighted shoes I guess and I thought that was very funny very cute yeah in isolation I like this bit but if this episode is better, this bit wouldn't be here because it would focus on Margaret's inferiority. Like, this felt like, oh, we're kind of four minutes short. Let's just give a subplot to Radar to fill out the runtime when they could have filled out the runtime with more, like, substantial character development for, like, Margaret or mm-hmm. even create any conflict with uh, Hawkeye, really. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. liked how it um concluded and this kind of did come out of nowhere like this felt very at odds with the rest of the episode but hawkeye like reassuring radar that like his height is fine i i always like hawkeye kind of in dad mode when it comes to radar being like you're good the way you are um that's always just a good lesson for radar to learn and i i did enjoy that even though i think the just placement and kind of execution around the surrounding episode was a little odd. Yeah, I was going to say, I really liked how um, Hawkeye just was using kid gloves with Radar, but in a really respectful type of way. You know, he even apologized for making Radar feel insecure about his height with like, he said, you know, hey, I know that I've joked about your height before, but that was out of line and stuff like that. And I thought that that was really sweet. And he said something that was so true to Radar too, that was also just very touching. He said, there are guys who are 10 feet tall and their bodies don't even know it. That was a very classic uh, Hawkeye, like reassuring line. Yeah, exactly. It was so sweet. And it's so true because like you put Radar next to someone like Frank and there's no comparison. Like they even literally did it in this episode of Frank and Radar kind of standing at the same height or close to the same height. And Frank being like, huh, you have a you have a more air of superiority and this, that and the other thing and blah, 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 blah. But there was nothing about this episode that really needed that to be there. Like if there Mm -hmm. was a real if there was a big conflict between Frank and Radar and, you know, everybody kind of using kid gloves with radar and him being short and you know kind of undermining what he does at the camp and he used this like shoe lift thing to you know kind of gain more respect that would have made a lot more sense but like i said i thought that this was sweet i don't really have a complaint with it necessarily being here i wish it was framed a little bit better in a different episode i love that frank is just so in his own world that he did not even realize that uh, Radar got these lifts at all. He was like, oh, do you <laughs> your hair differently? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, no, it's your new glasses. Like, okay, Frank, good job. You, you, did, a, you did a great, buddy. <laughs> he did a great, buddy. So going back in time a little bit, let's talk more about uh, the storyline about Hawkeye's house arrest. Because I like this, again, in isolation, but there was just very little to like grab onto with this because mm-hmm. it wasn't even like he didn't want to be under house arrest anymore or he wasn't doing like a scheme to get more house arrest. It was just like, I'm under house arrest and I'm happy. That's my plot line. <laughs> yeah, this was um interesting, right? Because of course, they're not going to have Hawkeye be actually court-martialed. And I liked the, like, you kind of were getting breadcrumbs being, like, laid in the storyline. It just never really paid off because I thought it was funny when you got the scenes of Hawkeye and Trapper, you know, in the swamp um, eating steak because the uh, (laughs) cook was so happy that Hawkeye had punched Frank (laughs) that he gave him a special meal. Like, that was really funny. And the old sitcom trope of Trapper explaining to Henry and saying, oh, yeah, uh, Frank slipped on a bar of soap and Hawkeye just caught him. And Henry saying, oh, with his fist. And it was really funny scenes that just didn't really have much to do 
do with how the episode culminated and it just didn't make any sense (laughs) why Mm -hmm. this was still going on yeah there's so much like stuff in isolation in this episode it's like a decent skeleton but there's just a lot of like meat missing from it really Mm -hmm. and i i really enjoyed how they like read stuff in this episode how trapper like delivered his very artificial like he slipped on a bar of soap reading the report just how they kind of read that so (laughs) flatly and then with Klinger like reading the ad for these like lists that uh, Radar gets how he's like ha ha you like the way they (laughs) deliver all that it's it's so good like that was probably my favorite part of these uh, scenes of trying to (laughs) create an alibi for Hawkeye (laughs) yeah that was funny um, I talked about it before, but I loved the scene with the steak and um, mm-hmm. Father Mulcahy coming into the episode because it was just so cute uh, mm-hmm. that he, he ate the steak and he was so happy and he goes, oh no, it's Friday. <laughs> I loved that so much. And then Hawkeye and Trapper being like, no, no, you're good. Like it's Friday here, but it's Saturday over, you know, in America. So you're fine. I don't know. I just, I just loved that. And... Mm-hmm. I loved the movie scene, too. That was really funny. Um, But like I said, it just didn't make sense for the, I guess, like, falling action of the episode. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really (laughs) enjoyed that, apparently, according to this this episode, I don't know in real life, that apparently POWs get four Oreos per meal or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we will talk about what the POWs got in trivia. I I found this and it's very funny. Um, not that not that prisoners of war are funny or anything like that, but I thought it was really interesting the food that the Red Cross would give the POWs. And then I love uh, Father Mulcahy or Hawkeye going to Father Mulcahy like that's for a prisoner of war. And then Father Mulcahy's just like, oh well, under God's eye, every prisoner is the same. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, (laughs) this, like I said, these scenes were so interesting because they didn't make any sense. But when Father Mulcahy was leaving, Hawkeye says, you're a button on the cap of kindness. And Father Mulcahy goes, huh, can I use that? And I just love Father Mulcahy so much. And it's just, I don't know. It was just such a, (laughs) I don't know why that scene was in there, but I'm glad it was. (laughs) Yeah, good little character interaction. And apparently Mulcahy pulls some strings to get uh, the movie shown in Hawkeye's tent. Mm -hmm, I didn't mm -hmm. know Father Mulcahy had these capabilities. I guess uh, the (laughs) church really has their power when needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that it's established before. It was actually established in um, a few episodes back that Father Mulcahy was is like the one in charge of the movies. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Because remember, he tried to get the yearling and they were showing them a war movie because it's the only one that he could get. That was so funny. (laughs) Right. I really like that this season they're like showing movies on the screen like a Mm -hmm. lot. You could tell that their budget was maybe increased. Like we have explosions, we have movie footage just all around and it's like real Mm -hmm. movies like this is a vincent price uh i forget what the actor's name was but like hawkeye's got a big crush on her i enjoyed that a lot like again everything (laughs) like in isolation pretty like solid material just nothing kind of like connects or there's no real conflict it's so strange (laughs) i loved also with this movie scene where henry was um crying (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was really sweet because we're getting to like the end of this season and he just seems very emotional you know and yeah so i i don't know it was i think that we've beaten this dead horse but (laughs) i liked these scenes in isolation because they provided Mm -hmm. the comedic relief of the episode um but unfortunately this movie gets interrupted by someone literally screaming about sexual assault. And, well, that is the end of our episode. Do we even have to talk about this? I hate this so much. (laughs) Yeah, everything about this is, like, awful. Like, in previous episodes, we've talked a bit about stuff that doesn't hold up or, like, bits that they wouldn't do today. And this 
is maybe the most like you just simply would not do this gag in a comedy show today you wouldn't even do this in like a drama really unless you're like very careful but you would just not throw this in at the end of this episode be like this is how it resolves this this woman the superior officer tries to come on to frank and tempt him with power and frank's like no so the woman says that frank assaulted her that you just wouldn't do that it just so doesn't hold up today it's so bad yeah i kind of hate well no not kind of i do hate this um and this shouldn't be a surprise for anybody i really just don't i mean obviously any kind of like withholding promotions or like promising promotions for sex and stuff like that that's a very you know outdated concept of course and I really also don't like the flip the script type of thing mm-hmm. where, you know, oh, yeah, this happens to women all the time. So isn't it funny that it's ha- like this woman is flipping the script and doing it to a man? Ha ha mm-hmm. ha. It's just like, mm, maybe we just shouldn't do that to anybody. It's not funny. <laughs> but yeah, it just like and the fact that this woman literally was crying rape like that was just so upsetting yeah <laughs> um yeah so i just like i hated that but then again not to like take away from it it was uh, it was also like the 70s you know like this was typical humor and yeah. so i can't necessarily you know obviously it's not funny now um shouldn't have been necessarily funny then but you also i feel have to like we do all the time look at the context of the episode um, I just hated it. Uh, yeah. No no doubt about it. I felt really bad for this actress because, I, f- again, like we talked about, you could just feel the energy and, like, charisma of her, like, coming off the screen immediately. Like, she's clearly someone who knows what she's doing and can do it very mm-hmm. well. And they didn't give her, like, good material to work with. They had her do quite possibly the worst thing that uh, she could possibly do as a character. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just wasn't cool, man. I felt like they really did a disservice. I felt like mm-hmm. Frank just no, obviously no one like deserves this, but like purely on a story level, Frank did nothing to like deserve comeuppance like this, you know. Um, <laughs> it was just so yeah. kind of in poor taste. It's just not enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, it would, I mean, not that I would have had uh, any less of a problem with this storyline, but, you know, if Frank had been almost like, I don't know, doing the same thing or like, I I don't know, it it wouldn't have been funny, I feel, regardless, and I am kind of glad that it just got relegated to like the last little bit of the episode so that we didn't Mm -hmm. have to see this, you know, really outdated, not well holding up storyline throughout the episode, but something that you said before really made me think and you said that this whole bit with colonel reese like her whole thing was that she's supposed to be like a man you know and i feel like that was such a typical way to write women back then of just like oh she's a colonel so like she has to act like any typical guy would you know Mm -hmm. and you see that with the writing of margaret's character up to you know like a certain point and even even past that point you know you you kind of it wasn't perfect. But I just thought that that was really interesting that you see these like women who are these female characters who are supposed to be like, you know, decorated in their field or whatever. And then they like act like men and women aren't men, you know, and they're mm-hmm. then that's how they're written. I'm just glad that that's not how it is necessarily anymore. It's like gotten a little bit better with writers of shows today. So, yeah. I mean, it's still there, unfortunately. There's yeah. a lot of, like, especially military kind of representation. It's like, well, she had to, she's no longer a woman. She's a person of the military when in, mm-hmm. like, the higher ranks, even today, even in stuff that's, like, very good. That is just typically the characterization. And they went for the kind of, like, the worst version of that, like, the corrupt yeah. higher up, you know? Yeah, and it, it says something about just, um, uh, obviously, I don't think that this was necessarily the writer's intent. I'm kind of, like, looking into it a little bit more. But, you know, a lot of the times women, even now, have to kind of shed anything about them that's 
typically female or, you know, uh, identifying them as a woman when they're in such a male-dominated space. And you see that in this character a lot, too, of just, like, she acts very much like a typical, like, if this was, like, a man, she would be, like, a sleazy guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I thought that that was just, I don't really have like a cohesive point, but I just, I think I yeah. thought that that was kind of interesting. And it's difficult to talk about because this is literally the end of the episode. Like, yeah, uh, she claims this, this like false claim for Frank assaulting her. Everyone in camp comes to see Margaret freaks out, but like freaks out in the way that like, oh, he cheated on me with her. Not mm-hmm. like he assaulted someone. Like, I feel like that is a high crime um not just like <laughs> yes. oh how could you do this to me kind of thing that she was acting like and because this happened and she no longer wants to support frank so she says frank slipped on the bar of soap hawkeye didn't hit him uh so hawkeye's cleared of house arrest and now frank is under house arrest because he uh was falsely commute uh, accused of a very serious crime so that's great. That's going to follow him for the rest of his life. Um, hopefully <laughs> yeah, that clears up. Yes, I would hope so. Because, you know, Frank is in the rest of these episodes and uh, this colonel is not. So there you go. <laughs> um, but I think that going from that, I mean, after that, that was, you know, not fun to really talk about. But I did think that it was funny, this callback of when previously when Hawkeye was under house arrest and Frank said, oh yeah, I'm a free man. I can go into the tent and out of the tent anytime I want. And he like is mocking Hawkeye. And then it's called back in the last bit of the episode where <laughs> Hawkeye is now like, I'm a free man in, out, in, out, in, out. And it was just very funny. Yeah, that was a good closing bit. It's just unfortunate that it was surrounded by uh, other things, let's say. Um, I wish there was another, like, way to get him under house arrest. Like, I wish there was, it just wasn't a false uh, sexual assault charge. So that's just great. We love that. (laughs) I did like how it lightened the mood a little bit, but I agree. I wish that, I wish that Frank was under better circumstances, but in the Mm -hmm. same circumstances, still court-martialed technically, but under better circumstances. (laughs) And I just wish they gave this actress something, like, genuinely fun to do. Because I I felt bad, you know? I felt like it was a missed opportunity. I agree. Okay, so going from that, uh, to bring a little bit of light back to the episode, um, did you have any favorite lines? Gotta always shout out the Klinger-associated line (laughs) when uh, Henry... Hang on, hang on. I know, I know, I'm sorry. I just, no, 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 I know the line that you're going to say, and it's just funny. Oh, my God. When, okay. Do you mean, do you mean the line when Klinger comes into Henry's office? I do. So, Klinger comes into Henry's office, and he's wearing a house coat, and Henry goes, Klinger, it's 4 p.m., and you're wearing a house coat? Put on a dress. What if somebody comes around? <laughs> Just <laughs> delight. He's like, these guys, you always have to stay on top of them at every chance you get. They're always going to try to wiggle out of Just, I love that for Henry. Klinger wearing a dress is so normal now that he doesn't even <laughs> give it a second thought. I know. I agree. I love that. I loved that. <laughs> Henry is like talking to his daughter or wife and it's just like, oh. My God, what are you doing? Put on a dress. <laughs> so good. What if other men see you? <laughs> um, I really liked the line where uh, Hawkeye walks past Colonel Reese and he goes, ah, a stranger in town. Don't talk to me. I'm bad. <laughs> that was good. Just the delivery of that was great. Um, I also really liked... Um, <laughs> after... Hawkeye punches Frank and Trapper and Margaret go and help him up. Frank goes, get your dirty hands off me. And Trapper goes, Frank, I just washed them. No, I thought you were going to say the one where he's like, I think I need a doctor. Is there anyone in camp who isn't mad at me? Aw, poor Frank. (laughs) No, the answer is no, Frank. (laughs) I know I didn't really comment on this, but I did love that the uh, chef, as thank you, gave 
Hawkeye the steak for punching Frank in the face. I thought that was very <laughs> funny. <laughs> nobody, apparently nobody likes Frank in the camp, but can you blame anyone? I can't. <laughs> no, you cannot. So, Vanessa, do you have any trivia for us in this episode? I do. Okay, so this is a this is a big one. <laughs> so I have some trivia about Mary Wicks, who played Colonel Reese. Very cool. Big character actress vibes from this one. I can't wait to see her massive yeah. career, I assume. Yeah, just wait. You'll be uh, very impressed, I think. So Wicks was born Mary Isabella Wickenhauser in 1910 in St. Louis, Missouri. Both of her parents enjoyed theater and took her to plays from a young age, and she skipped two grades and graduated high school at 16. Wicks went to Washington University in St. Louis, where she excelled at school. She was part of the debate team. She was inducted into Phi Mu Sorority, the second oldest sorority in the United States, and she graduated with her BA as a double major in English Literature and Political Science with honors being inducted into Mortar Board, a National Honor Society for College Seniors. Basically, what I'm getting at is she was really, really smart. <laughs> we love political science majors. Let's go. <laughs> she also planned to pursue a law career who she like is just a woman of my heart at this point. But a professor convinced her to pursue drama instead. So that's why we got this amazing actress. Okay, but what was that conversation like? How do you go to your professor and be like, I want to be a lawyer? And he's like, no, 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 no. You should be an actress. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently she had a talent that he saw. Wicks made her Broadway debut in The Farmer Takes a Wife in 1934 with Henry Fonda. She was a member of Orson Welles' troupe on his radio drama The Mercury Theater on Air, and she appeared in his film Too Much Johnson in 1938. Wow. So we have a Orson Welles alumni up in here? Yes. Nuts. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. She appeared in films like Now Voyager in 1942 alongside Betty Davis and had a significant part in the Abbott and Costello comedy Who Done It. Wicks appeared in several other movies throughout the 50s and 60s, including On Moonlight Bay, By the Light of Silvery Moon, White Christmas, and The Trouble with Angels. You'll appreciate this one, Ethan. She also served as a live-action reference model for Cruella DeVille in Disney's 101 Dalmatians. What? That's insane. Oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. god. <laughs> Isn't what? that crazy? That that's so cool. Yeah, I, d I had no idea. Her television career was also really extensive. She made guest appearances in sitcoms like Dennis the Menace, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, I Love Lucy, and various Lucille Ball spinoffs as well. And Mrs. G Goes to College. And for that one, she received an Emmy nomination for Best Supporting Actress. I love back when shows and movies were just like, so-and-so goes here. We need to bring that <laughs> back. We need to bring back that subgenre. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Um, some more modern shows she appeared in besides MASH include Columbo, The Love Boat, Murder, She Wrote, Sanford and Son, and, and Ethan, three episodes of Trapper John, MD. Let's go. Like I said, you're <laughs> not really a MASH alumni unless you're on Trapper John, MD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> She had a career resurgence in the 80s and 90s with movies like Postcards from the Edge and Sister Act 1 and 2 and Little Women. Oh my, that is such a full career. I gotta see uh, Postcards from the Edge. That movie seems so cool to me. Um, but all those movies are like iconic in their own right. Yeah. And what's funny is that, um, remember the British major that we talked about in the last episode? He mm -hmm. was also in the Sister Act movies. Oh my God. We're just yeah. filling out. <laughs> we got uh, the basketball playing nun, and we're just filling out the uh, the Sister Act supporting cast. <laughs> <laughs> You'll also appreciate this as well. One of Wick's last roles was voicing Laverne in Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And Wick's passed away following a hip surgery at 85 and was reportedly interred next to her parents. Oh, that's very sad. Dying from a hip surgery. I didn't think that that was very common. That's unfortunate. Yeah, in my research, it came about that she had fallen and, you know, broke her hip. And after that, she just kind of never recovered, unfortunately. But honestly, this woman had such an amazing, extensive career. I'm just like so glad that I got to do this deep dive on her and, you know, have her in this episode of MASH. It was like, honestly, a privilege researching her. Just too bad they did not give her good material. You have an yeah. Orson Welles alumni, and you're you're not doing anything with that. That's yeah, a darn shame. I know. Um, but thank you for sharing. But like we said, she was just a joy in this episode. Unfortunately, just like the character wasn't great. But yeah, you're welcome. 
I also have a little bit more trivia. I know that you were interested in the um, Red Cross uh, POW packages. Yes. <laughs> so I did some research on that as well. I need to know if they actually got like five Oreos or whatever they said <laughs> in this episode. So the package that Father Mulcahy was talking about was called um, the Red Cross Parcels. And these were packages of food, tobacco, and personal hygiene items sent by the International Association of the Red Cross to prisoners of war. It was true what Father Mulcahy said in the episode, actually. The parcels were arranged in accordance with provisions of the Geneva Convention of 1929. And they were most notably given out during World War I and World War II. And depending on which Red Cross country the parcel was coming from, it contained different items. Like the American Red Cross parcel consisted of slightly different items than the British Red Cross parcel and so on and so forth, With mm. depending on the country. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I always find it interesting that in the past, tobacco was just a common item that like everyone <laughs> got no matter what. And nowadays it's like, you would not receive that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I actually also found an American Red Cross parcel from the Korean War that was sold back in 2009. And I want to list you off the items. Please, I need to okay. have that sweet Nabisco product in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it contained a tin with five packages of smoking tobacco, <laughs> 100 vitamin capsules, salt, buttons. It says tread, but I'm wondering if it is a typo and meant to say thread. A needle, a patch cloth, tin chopped pork, a tin of dehydrated corned beef, a 1.5 pound tin of sliced bacon, a tin of instant coffee, a tin of processed American cheese, a tin of salmon, a tin of preserved butter, three packages of cigarettes, and in this one it had Old Gold, Chesterfield, and Camels, two bars of soap, and two packs of playing cards. So you get playing cards and American cheese, but no Oreos. That's a, that's a darn <laughs> Apparently shame. Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> Couldn't spring um, for real cheese. What a shame. <laughs> well, it had to be preserved. They were sending it across oceans and whatnot. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> These parcels would be given to each American prisoner of war during the Korean War every month. And modern parcels are still given out, usually in times of natural disaster, war, political upheaval, or other similar events. So I just thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you have to really think about what prisoner of war like actually get. So that's very interesting to learn about. Yeah. So, Ethan, what was your martini reading for this episode? Uh, okay, so I know we kind of had a good time talking about this and all the little moments that, like, worked for us in isolation, but I have to say, watching this episode just was a real slog, so I'm gonna go with my, like, actual watching experience rating rather than my, like, had a good time talking about this with you uh, rating. I'm gonna have to go, like, 1.5 like I, th I thought this episode was real <laughs> <Whoa>. bad <laughs> like real okay. bad I did not enjoy it there was just so much that like didn't work uh, in isolation everything like is fun to talk about but watching and like this is nothing this is just a nothing experience with like a bad ending I was gonna give it a 2.0 but I and I you know I'm still gonna give it a 2 because, I don't know, I think it was, like, worse than an average episode, so it's definitely not 2.5, but I wouldn't say it's as bad as a 1.5. Just because I liked, I don't know, I liked everything in pieces except the one part. It just didn't come together cohesively as a story for me, but also, like, nothing really stood out enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, this was an above-average episode, even though it wasn't cohesive. Um, So, yeah, I would say 2. Two is wow. good. It's opposite day, baby. Yeah, like, and honestly, we didn't think that this was going to happen. This season has been very, not I wouldn't say polarizing, because it's not like I gave this episode a five and you gave it a one, but I do think it's interesting that we have some different opinions on these episodes. Yeah, but that's also fun. Like, that, that makes yeah, for like, I like a it. good discussion. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and, of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 19, Aid Station. But until then, eat a water buffalo steak. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Bye.